you are about to enter a podcast. A podcast in which things may happen to you. Yeah, if, yeah, we want to. Yeah, just. You are about to enter the scary door. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go? Or do you want me to go? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take it back. So, hi everybody, welcome back to E Ticket, a theme park podcast. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm Rob. And uh, today, uh, coming off of our last episode where we ranked. Uh, <laughs> ITM's uh, top 50s, top 10 mm-hmm. attractions. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Tower of Terror today. Yep, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yeah, um, opened in uh, 1994. 94, yep, July um, 22nd. Yeah, July 22nd, 1994. Um, it is uh, widely regarded as uh, one of Disney's best rides. Uh, Overall, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, to, <laughs> The 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 bar has been set so high with mm-hmm. this particular attraction, and um, you know we even decided to name it our number one attraction in the list last time. So it, it made it made too much thematic sense. Yeah, it's not everyone's cup of tea for sure. We have friends who refuse to ride it. I have family members who also refuse to ride it. Uh, it makes for a good ride photo when you actually get them on. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> doesn't do much for your arms. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. But yeah, I mean, um, by far one of the most popular rides that Disney has ever produced, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it's actually uh, wound up at some other locations around the world, like mm-hmm. in, uh, like a lot of the classic rides, like Big Thunder, Haunted Mansion, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, this is a ride that only opened up within the last thirty years. Yep, and it's made its way to Disney's California Adventure, and then over to Disney's Tokyo. Was it in Tokyo Sea or Tokyo, Tokyo Sea? Dis- I think okay. yeah. And then also to Disneyland Paris Studios. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's making and, its way. You know, there have been different iterations of it, kind of spread throughout the world, but mm-hmm. the uh, the main, the prime one is uh, the here original, in the classic, the the best is what we will say. Disneylanders will argue that it's now. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Um, I can't agree with them. I've been on it. And uh, I'll say this, Disneylanders, you ruined my experience my only time ever on that ride. So guess what? Because of you, I can't say it's the best. And that's me being salty, but also the one in Orlando is, is actually the far superior one. Yikes. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard um, mostly mixed things about the Mission Breakout attraction over in California. I'll say this. It would have been a great attraction if everybody else on it would have just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you can't control that, so no. I guess... No, 16 people all having their own ride experience, ruining mine. Yeah, I guess the only way that yeah. you can really kind of fix that is just by going on it again. Oh, uh, yep. Oh, well. Pull my arm. I guess I'll go on it again. Oh, no. Oh, no. They have multiple songs to choose from. I got Elvis's Burning Love. Love me some Elvis. I saw his grave five years ago this week. Shout out Memphis. But, uh, yeah, no, I'll get on it eventually. You're just not the one I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fifth dimension. Yeah, I mean, so the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is probably one of the rides that I think went through more iterations than perhaps any other ride in Disney's park history. That might be true for what we know, because all they knew is they wanted to make a drop tower. They had no idea what they wanted to do around it at first. They're just like, we want a drop tower ride because those exist in the Northeast. Yeah. And yeah, that's <laughs> that was it. That was the, how it started. Yeah, honestly, it's it's kind of incredible. When you look at some of the things that they wanted to do with this attraction, it's actually kind mm-hmm. of a miracle that it wound up the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like I remember reading about they wanted to do like a like a Dick Tracy themed thing. Yep. They wanted to do like a Vincent Price hosted ghost tour. Yeah. Um that was gonna be pseudo based off of the Haunted Mansion. They wanted to do it based off of some Stephen King novels. Mm-hmm. Um the, I think the craziest one is uh, Hotel Mel, the Mel yeah. Brooks Hotel. The Mel Brooks themed, inspired, yeah. produced hotel attraction. Yeah, yeah. No, if that existed, I don't. Um, I don't know what I do with myself. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's it's like genuinely astounding that this ride exists in its current form, and I, it's good. Well, even even when they nailed down, they wanted to do a hotel concept. They had, they couldn't even nail down what hotel concept they wanted to do. And it was oh my god, I just. Yeah, the fact this ride got made the way it did, even so, is it's a miracle. Either way you split it, so. Yeah, I mean, and that that kind of leads into one of the first things that I think they did kind of settle on is that, like, at some point after they settled on the concept of, hey, we're going to do a drop ride, they said to themselves, well, what if we have an actual hotel base to it? Mm-hmm. They they literally wanted to build an actual hotel real, on property that would have hotel. an attraction attached to it um which as you can imagine is uh not the best scenario to have when you're trying to like sleep yeah when you're trying to enjoy your room and every 45 seconds people are screaming right next to it right yeah it's not the exact i don't want to spend 600 dollars a night on that yeah it's it's yeah it's just very like you can see you can see they have a lot of the concepts that they did make are still kind of present in the actual building mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. So shortly after the ride opened, uh, they did consider putting a uh, a restaurant at the top of the hotel. Yep. Um, they it's eventually they eventually realized that uh, they wouldn't have enough space up there because that's where a lot of the ride equipment is located, mm-hmm. and there just really wasn't a way that they could kind of make it work. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was a very real idea that you know in the 90s we could have gotten you know the tip top club like you said like we could have had an actual restaurant at the top of the tower of terror and they realized it wasn't going to work um and you know in a way i think that's kind of endemic to a lot of things about this ride is that we have the version of it that we have now because a lot of the concepts that they wanted to use they realized during development that it just wasn't going to work um and you know, eventually we settled on the Twilight Zone. Yeah, which, just for clarification, Disney does own a lot of properties. They do not, and still do not, own the Twilight Zone brand. That is still under CBS. So mm-hmm. this is still a partnership with CBS, which blows my mind that it still exists in this day and age, as is. Yeah. Although, knowing Disney, I have a suspicion that they probably have, like, a in-perpetuity arrangement with whoever well, is the owner of you've had to imagine it would be a lengthy contract they sold at the time if not in perpetuity then like a 99 year deal or something right something it's similar. i don't i don't know the paperwork insane. on this one i'm usually pretty good on stuff like this yeah. like I, I can i can tell someone all day why marvel can exist at islands of adventure and then cannot exist at walt disney studio or walt disney world in certain ips so like changing this ride to guardians of the galaxy probably not going to happen now there's a new guardians of the galaxy ride which mm-hmm. we should definitely talk about very shortly um but theming it to any other marvel property definitely not going to happen definitely won't happen so i don't know we'll see what happens in the future um but i do love this version and it's um a 
apparently supposed to go down for a major refurbishment in the next couple of years because the engines that power it were only guaranteed 30 years of operation. 30 years. And uh, congratulations. Uh, this month marks the 28th anniversary of this ride, so <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. So it's going to go down for a very lengthy refurbishment once that happens. And even right now, it's struggling to maintain its status with one tower typically being yep. down. So. Yeah. It's definitely Yeesh. it's definitely starting to show its age. But that's, mm-hmm. again, it kind of lends itself a better experience because of it. Because you know the Tower of Terror is the Tower of Terror. It's supposed to be like an old, rundown building. Granted, you know, you want the actual equipment to be functioning properly. Yeah, I mean, so... when you're trying to sell it as, hey, it's great theming when your ride doesn't work. <laughs> Well, you have to remember, I grew up going on rides at, like, Six Flags where, like, there were wooden roller coasters that had splinters in the actual wood. and That just gives you character. Yeah, it just yeah. builds character when uh-huh. your ride's falling apart. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it it is so funny to me that they wanted to create a drop tower ride when they eventually settled on the idea of doing an elevator that they were like, well we need to figure out who's going to build this because Mm -hmm. we don't think anyone on our team knows how to do it. So they were like, what if we went to Otis, Otis elevator? Yeah. The Otis elevator, you know, like the, one of the oldest elevator companies in the world and and basically asked them, Hey, we need you to design an elevator that doesn't work the way it's supposed to. (laughs) It's the most insulting thing you can ask someone who's a professional. Yeah, like they were. What's the worst like, version of this you can give us? We'll pay you. Right? They're like, what if you built an elevator that didn't have brakes, or or didn't have a centralized cable system, or or <laughs> threw your guests towards the ceiling? Yeah, yeah. What are we doing here? And it's what's it's just so funny to me because Otis was literally just like, well, we're not exactly happy about the way that this contract <laughs> is working, but also here's your elevator system, I guess. Yeah, and, and then my favorite part is the Otis does their best to make a thrilling elevator, and then the Disney Imagineers get off and they go, that wasn't fast enough. Yeah, yeah. There's literally <laughs> a <jerks>. story about uh, some of the original Imagineers that worked on this where they got on an elevator without the braking systems installed, um, like an actual real elevator. And it was a 300-foot-tall yeah. drop tower, which... Yeah. It's 50% more than the current Tower of Terror, which is only 199 feet and change. Mm -hmm. So, And they were just like, okay, we're just going to release the elevator and let it fall. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, like, the real-world physics behind elevators is that there's so much surface area underneath the elevator that all of that air just pushes up against that flat surface. Because the tower is narrow, too, so that air has got very little places to go. So it's a natural braking system in addition to your mechanical braking system. Right. So, again, when Otis was asked to design the Tower of Terror, they were literally like, we literally have to design an elevator that doesn't function any way like an elevator actually does. Yes. We have to be able to pull people downwards so we have to design a motor that pulls people down instead of just letting the cable system naturally release itself we have to design a car that actually lets air flow through it so there is no air pressure to prevent us from pulling it down yeah it's like if you ever get into the tower of terror you notice you you're in a cage because that way the air can flow straight through no problem the only resistance Mm -hmm. is the actual seats yeah yeah so yeah and it's Again, it's just it's it's just an incredible idea that they were just like, yes, we're going to do a drop tower. We're going to 
put people into an elevator system that can pull them down faster than faster an than elevator gravity. would actually fall. Yeah. You got to pull faster than gravity. Yeah. Um, and that I think was like one of the more genius moves behind the Tower of Terror mm-hmm. because then they had to say, okay, well. We're going to do an elevator. We're going to do a drop system that pulls you down. You're you're getting pulled into the Twilight Zone. You're going into the fifth dimension. So how do we communicate that? Yeah. And that's when they came up with the idea of, okay, you've got your normal elevator system that's inside the main building. Mm-hmm. And then you go in to the fifth dimension. Your ride in vehicle... In order to get to the drop tower. Yeah. Yes. Your ride vehicle moves forward yeah. out of the elevator shaft yeah. that you were in to begin with, which, um, you know, elevators don't do that. Not typically. <laughs> so this, the, the, this, the whole the, design yeah. function of this was insane. And like, if I mean, we'll get, we'll break this down beat by beat in a second, but the whole fifth dimension, the idea of it, the most genius thing ever, let's leave the actual elevator shaft to, for a, the first ever wire guided quote, trackless system in Disney history, because if you look, there's no track. There's no track. It's just following a wire underneath the uh, underneath the floor, and then that goes into the drop tower cage. Like, yeah. Oh, which makes it more efficient for loading. Like, yeah. are we? God, it's so brilliant. The first tower is just so so damn brilliant. Yeah, it's just it's genuinely cool. It's just like it's just a. Again, you know, Imagineering nowadays, we can pull off crazy stuff like Rise of the Resistance and stuff like that. And but Guardians, this is, yeah, yeah and, and the new Guardians coaster, which yeah. we've both been on, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we'll get to that some other time. We will. Yeah, um, but, you know, I think in a lot of ways, uh, Tower of Terror was really the time when they were like, hey, what if we just kind of started to like experiment with some crazy stuff? You know? Like, they already have a lot of ride systems that are roller coasters or like the dark Omni rides, Movers yeah, or Omni dark rides, rides yeah. but they don't really have anything that's like really kind of like pushing the envelope with like. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What was the most thrilling ride before this? Was it Big Thunder, Space Mountain, Splash Mountain? Were those the only yeah, three or, or thrilling Mr. Toad rides or something? Or even that's that's stretched. I suppose a ride. the submarines at Disneyland would have been. <sighs> I don't. I wouldn't call those thrilling. Maybe not thrilling, but like technological wonders. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I can see that. But you know, I think Tower of Terror is really the first one where they were kind of just like given free reign to do whatever the hell they want. Clearly, they did, and it just works out immensely well for them. Immensely well. All right. Well, let's see. We've gushed on it enough. Let's uh, let's take it back to the front and walk it over. Yeah. So all right. Um. So it's uh. Let's start off with Sunset Boulevard, just in general. Because yep. uh, that didn't exist when the park opened up, folks. I don't know if you know this. May 1st, 1989, Disney's MGM Studios opens up. It has two attractions. It's got the Great Movie Ride, RIP, and the yeah. Backlot Tour, which was four hours long, RIP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I wouldn't give for a modern-day four-hour Backlot Tour. See, we say that, and of course, you know, we, we slightly mean it, but like three hours into that, yeah, but Catastrophe Canyon. I don't need to go three hours before <laughs> seeing Catastrophe Canyon. Well, I was there. The last day was open. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before. Last day was open. It was uh, in September 2014, and it was Dapper Day at Hollywood Studios. So our car was full of just people in their suits with bow ties and uh, fancy dresses and hats. And it was like, wow, if this is the way it goes out, this is the way it goes out. And it yeah. did. One last, uh, one last tour. Yeah. 
Yeah. But anyway, Sunset Boulevard uh, didn't exist. Was not built. Where? What was right there? Right there was the theater that hosted the Dick Tracy show and eventually Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, and in, not the Beauty and the Beast stage you know today. It was a stage right where Starbucks is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 1989, the park opens to the public. Um, and they realized that despite the fact that this park was clearly designed to be a, Universal a, a Studios quote ripoff a, to cuck Universal Studios. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Like it was the park was clearly designed to be one a half day park because this is around the mm-hmm. time that they opened up what is now known as Disney Springs. So the idea was you go to the park for half the day and then you go shopping for the other half of the day. Yeah. I mean the marketplace has already opened up but the the expansion yes. happened. Pleasure Island. Yeah. Happened uh, just right before this. And they were like, well, how do we get people to go to Pleasure Island? Well, yeah. How about we give them half a day somewhere else? Right. And then they'll go to Pleasure Island. Yes. And <clears throat> primarily at the time, uh, this ride was, or not not this ride, but this park was definitely intended to be a, uh, a slap in the face against Universal Studios. Yeah. Who made um, the mistake of telling their plans to Michael Eisner before he became CEO of Disney. Yeah. 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 Whoops. And, you know, it's one of the examples of uh, how much power uh, the Reedy Creek District had because... Um, R.I.P. Universal <laughs> announced that they were going to be building this theme park in Orlando, right down the road from Disney World. And they were like, hey, we're going to open it in 1990. It's going to be a great time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Disney's like, okay, what if we did another movie-themed park and built it and Wicker. opened it yeah. like four months before? No, a year. Like <laughs> A year. So, 13 months. So so Disney's just like, yeah, you know how Universal has to cut through all that red tape to get what they want built? Well, guess what we don't have to do? You know that. Universal is trying to build these behemoth attractions that are going to really <laughs> screw them for the first year of operation? Mm-hmm. What if we just don't do that? Yeah. We only have two attractions and open before them. Yeah. So early You know day... how Universal has these streets they're banking that look like New York and California? What if we, instead of having individual ones, we just slammed them all together and called them the streets of America? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what, what the fuck Michael oh my god yeah, I'm like, so happy they did it but like what dicks <laughs> like like Michael Eisner you know in the end of his tenure maybe less of a uh, of a good person to have at the helmet at the, at the Disney company well he but, lost he lost Frank Wells in the mid 90s yes the COO of Disney yeah. who many people say was the driving force behind the company yeah um, but I mean Michael Eisner Oh, he was the creative guy who wanted all the attention. He, he greenlit a lot of things, mm-hmm. but Frank Wells was the one who would usually keep him on track back in the day. And it seemed like Michael Eisner, towards the end, he needed to step back. Yeah. And he did eventually. Yeah, because, you know, he was the one who was responsible for, like, the Disney Renaissance. He's mm-hmm. the one who was responsible mm-hmm. for the parks becoming a lot more of a juggernaut than they are. Well, he was the one responsible for Walt Disney World becoming the world. Yeah. 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 Um, and... Uh, he had a direct hand in basically saying, hey, guys, like Hollywood Studios, despite only having two attractions and a bunch of shows. MGM Studios. is Oh, yes. I'm sorry. MGM Studios <laughs> is uh, really fucking successful. Yes. Like, we need more of this, please. Yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, Imagineers went to work and started, you know, building crazier, like, shows and experiences and such. But mm-hmm. the big draw they had was building the Tower of Terror. So it was announced in well, opening, 1991. Opening all of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Because again, yeah. again, I can't stress this enough, folks. It blows my mind every time I think about it. Sunset Boulevard did not exist before 1994. Yeah. None of it. <laughs> None of it. 
so the modern park layout that you have nowadays where you go down that strip they've got all Hollywood the shops Studios. and you've uh, it's, got um, Hollywood Boulevard you go you yeah. go just past the news of the world I think it's called or well now it's a Starbucks no, 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 the news of the world, the thing with Mickey Mouse standing on top of the globe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you go through yeah. the gates, you go right around that, and then you see you got a straight shot of the Chinese theater. That's that's Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. So you just start walking down that, and then, um, yeah. Yeah, and nowadays you've got this whole other extension to the park, um, which has Tower of Terror, the Beauty and the Beast stage show, Phantasmic. Yep. Um, which I famously hate. Um, and, uh, looks like when it comes back. And the Rock and Roller Coaster. And the um, Lightning McQueen. And uh, the Lightning McQueen Academy. Racing Academy. Yeah, don't, let's not forget about that, which yeah. I, I've totally, totally done since it's, a, it's opened three you know, years ago. It's a very exciting attraction. Uh, I, 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 I've never actually done it before. I've absolutely never actually I've done it. I've said, you know how many times I've been in the park where I was like, maybe today's the day. <laughs> so... Yeah, none of that existed. And, can you um, imagine if we have an episode on that in the next month? Please, no. <laughs> but they, uh, you can actually see it's really fascinating because they have all these old construction photos that you can like literally look at. They're building the Tower of Terror, mm-hmm. and it's just this concrete monstrosity yep. that's just like rising up over the uh, boulevard, and you know all of it was blocked off by buildings in front of it because, like at the time, Sunset Boulevard just didn't exist so fast forward a couple years they finally knock the buildings down they get ready to open it up and um you know 1994 comes along they finally open up the tower of terror Mm -hmm. and it's ready to help its first guests yeah and um here's the craziest thing about when it first opened one they didn't have individual seats yep each row was a row with one lap bar for a drop tower ride. Yeah. Amazing. Which pulled you down with force. Well, here's the good news about <laughs> that. I think it only dropped once. Yeah. The, the opening, old the original the original yeah. version only dropped once, which I cannot imagine waiting ninety minutes in line to get on that ride. If I once. if I recall correctly, I think the version of the ride that only dropped once, I think they literally I think it only lasted a little while. It literally only lasted, I think, like a year before they were realizing that, like... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me get my grains of salt. There we go, there we go, mm-hmm. there we go, there we go. Yeah. I think um, it only lasted for a year where they did the full, just one full drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they changed it to two, two drops. Two drops, yeah. yeah. Um, and it stayed that way until... I want to say the early 2000s. Like 2002 or 2003. That sounds correct. That and sounds that's correct. when Hang they started on, just, introducing... Just, just yeah, grains of salt. Uh-huh. But I think that's when they... One, I think they finally got rid of the lap bars. In yeah, they went to the seatbelts when the randomizer yeah. came out. Yep. Um, and then is when they had what is, again, one of the more incredible aspects of this ride, which is when they introduced the randomization system. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like five drop profiles that each elevator shaft has and then each of those profiles is fully customized like based upon like the amount of weight that's in the car how much torque the engines can generate mm-hmm. it's it's incredible for them to have been like yeah like well we've got all this technology in place let's also just make it so that it's completely randomized and you can just have a different ride experience every time never the same ride twice i mean that's the idea of it i mean it even modifies how many drops you have like i think yep. right now it's between five and seven mm-hmm. and then then your show scenes are different too mm-hmm. i mean 
it really has become something special. Yeah. 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 And uh, it just oozes, oozes that special imagineering touch mm-hmm. of like a lot of time and effort and theming went into this, right? Yeah, so yeah. when you, you're walking down Sunset Boulevard, you see the, the tower in the distance, and then you walk up to the entrance to it. You got these old wrought iron, like 1920s Hollywood yeah. gates. Well, they also have the sign that'll change its lighting fixture too. So it yeah. just says Tower of Terror and then Twilight Zone. Tower mm-hmm. of Terror comes in an LED. And yeah. Our, uh, yeah, it's LED. Yeah, um, fiberglass I, or fiber yeah. optics. It's yeah, fiber yeah. optics, that's the one. And, uh, you know, what's cool about it is that like the – you know, it's it's an old abandoned hotel. You can see the damage yeah. on the front. You can see the people screaming, but then you don't see them again after they drop. Yep. Um, and it's again, all the theming is there, right? Yep. So you walk um, into oh, the. Can queue. I say one thing about the uh, the queues theming? Yeah. Um, real quick, the outdoor queue. Uh, it really suffers when they don't turn on the misters. Yes. Because one, it doesn't look ominous, and two, it's hotter than shit. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the misters... I know Legionnaire disease is a thing, and uh, I know we're just coming out of COVID, but uh, holy shit, please turn on the misters. Yeah, put the misters on. Like, it just makes the ride look and feel cooler. Yeah, yeah. Figurative, um, figuratively and literally. Just, yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Like, this is a slam dunk. I'll pay your water bill. I don't give a fuck. No. But for me, you know, the outdoor theming is very cool, but it's really when you get inside when everything changes. Oh, for sure. You you walk into the main lobby and it's done up to look like it's just been abandoned since the accident happened. Everyone just left. Like Everyone someone just left their left. tea. Someone left their newspaper. Right. Um, um, I will say this. There's a, there's a lamp directly to your right. Um, and here's the crazy part. My family owns that lamp. Oh. Yeah, my, my great-grandfather won it at a fair in like the early 1900s. Nice. It's the same fucking lamp. It's so creepy. But is it the lamp? It's not. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it would be really cool if it was, you know? I tried. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Um, but I'll post, I'll post photos. You yeah. tell me it's not the same lamp. But it's really, it's really when you walk inside and you see the layout of the hotel in front of you. Um, and the entire building is just filled to the brim with Twilight Zone, like Easter eggs and memorabilia. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why. I love that, uh, that wooden owl. The wooden owl's amazing. He's so cool. There's, or, or they're, um, they're so cool. I don't, I'm not going to assume the gender. Of the there's owl. a letter to Rod Sterling on one of the countertops yes, inside uh, as soon as you walk in. You, would you like to Mike explain who Rod Sterling is, just in case? Oh yeah. Um, so I should preface this by saying I'm I'm a huge fan of the Twilight Zone. I've seen the entire series, including the really shitty 1980s episodes that are 45 minutes long. Okay, and I will um, preface that I am not a huge. I, I do appreciate it, but I have not <laughs> seeked it out. I did have a middle school teacher who would show us them on Fridays for good behavior, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, I uh, I'm a very big fan of the series, so I I'm also slightly biased. I think when it comes to actually reviewing this ride, but there are tons of Easter eggs. Well, no shit. Um, but Rod Sterling. Uh, was the host and main writer for uh, The Twilight Zone, um, known for having a very distinct um, vocal style yeah, uh, I mean, when I mean, he talked and he did it, the introductions. Yeah, I mean, his voice, as you may recognize, is one that's pretty noticeable. He's a maintenance service elevator, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, uh, when I say that he wrote the bulk of the Twilight Zone episodes, um, most of the Twilight Zone episodes were filmed over a period of about six to seven years. Uh, Despite being one of the most popular television shows ever made, uh, the show itself only lasted for less than a decade. 
uh, at least in its original form. Yes. I should clarify yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's something around like uh, like 150 or 160 episodes in the original run of the Twilight Zone, and Rod Sterling wrote like 130 of them. Like the dude was a fucking machine. It was like the Alexander Hamilton of those yeah. letters. Yeah. Like the dude literally was just a writing machine. He just kept outputting stuff over and over and over again. And when you watch a lot of the Twilight Zone episodes today, uh, it seems like there's fairly predictable twists or, you know, visual effects that like seem dated. But mm -hmm. when this show was coming out, this was groundbreaking, groundbreaking television that mm -hmm. um, really just kind of like pushed the envelope and like what you were actually able to show on television That's and right. really kind of bought a lot of, uh, I guess, legitimacy to like science fiction as a narrative for Okay. film and television because okay. it was mostly relegated to like B movies. Like it wasn't considered like a, a quote unquote, like grounded form of fiction that you could make stuff off of. Um, and you know, the twilight zone was basically just like, okay, but what if we did? Yeah. What if we like, actually took ourselves seriously? Right. Like <laughs> the very first episode is a guy who's like, he wakes up outside of a town that has nobody in it. And, like, things keep, like, turning on and off near him, or he keeps, like, seeing visions of people, um, and he just, he's slowly going insane. And you find at the end of the episode that he was part of, like, a military project to, like, test how long you could live in suspended animation for, like, God knows how long. And the dude was in there for, like, years and was just slowly going insane. Yep. So it's, like, little twists like that, or I guess a big twist, I should say. Yeah. But, you know, that was... That was the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it was so, the Black Mirror of its time. Yeah, very much so. Jordan, Jordan Peele credits this show for many things he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's why the Twilight Zone kind of works for this ride, right? You've got like an old abandoned spooky hotel. There's mm -hmm. a lot of paranormal stuff going on. Um, and really, you kind of get like the gist of what the ride is about when you go into the study and you actually meet with... Uh, like Rod Sterling himself. So he kind of well, gives... before that, you meet your first uh, hotel workers. Yeah. 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 So you meet all the hotel workers who <laughs> are... The bellhops. Yeah. The bellhops. Yeah. They're, uh, they're kind of just acting like, uh, you know, nothing's wrong. Your rooms are ready. Not only is nothing wrong, but they seem very off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. This is one of two attractions in the property where you're actually encouraged not to smile. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So a lot of people like to uh, transfer over there if yeah. they get the chance. Yeah, Haunted Mansion and Tower of Terror are very coveted yeah. places, so people just... Oh it, takes more, it takes more muscles to smile, folks. Yeah. And uh, we know that firsthand. Yeah. yeah. So you go into the study, and they play this introductory video um, where Rod Sterling himself, or kind of, yeah, Rod he, Sterling himself uh, comes in and introduces... Uh, the basic premise of what's going to happen to you. Much like he did at the start of every yeah. uh, Tower of Terror, or <laughs> Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I was going to do that at least once. There we go. So Where's the jar? How, how they did this is just so fascinating because they basically smashed together a bunch of old video clips of him doing the introductions for the show and then bought in a professional Rod Sterling impersonator who actually got the approval of Rod Sterling's wife to come in and, or widow, I should yeah, say, widow by that time. Um, to come in and actually do all of the Voiceover. missing vocal work that would be in yeah. between. 
Um, and it's really just incredible. Uh, the introduction that they use where, you know, Rod Sterling's like, and this right behind you is a maintenance service elevator. Like, they pulled him with digital effects. They pulled him directly from the opening episode of um, It's a it's, it's an a American Life or It's oh, a Wonderful... I think it's called a, It's a Wonderful Life, which is not to be confused with the Christmas movie. Yeah. This one's about Anthony, the child who can turn you into any object he wants you to and then banish you to the cornfield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he basically has the ability to do whatever the hell he wants. He's a he has, psycho like, the, demon kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so they pull uh, Rod Sterling from the introduction of that episode and mash a bunch of stuff together, use an actual impersonator, and voila, you've got the introduction, the premise of this ride no. in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, a group was going up the elevator to no, their 39, floor. 1939. Hollywood Tower. 1939. Yeah. Right. Um, and they're going up to their rooms when lightning strikes the elevator shaft um, and transports them into the, the Twilight fifth, Zone yeah, yeah. or the Fifth Dimension, or I suppose. It's one of the two. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, and, you know, you're here to do the same thing. Or at least see what happened. Yeah. Um, so then from there, you leave the study, you go into the boiler room. Well, the study to... is, you're talking about all the props and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the study's loaded. Yeah. In fact, I think they have scripts of every, I think, season two? Season two? Maybe it's season one. Yeah. Yeah. I think all... it's season two. Yeah, because I yeah. think California Adventure got season one, mm-hmm. which I don't understand why that happened. <laughs> Who knows? Let's be honest. Imagineers doing Imagineer things. Yeah, I guess maybe they didn't want to move season one at the time out of reverence, and then they were like, well, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, if I had to guess. Yeah, so you you go into the boiler room, and even in the boiler room, there are still references to the show. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you can find letters from Mr. Cadwallader, which is one of the names that the devil uses in the show, and you can find... Uh, like old pieces of equipment that like look exactly like ones that you'd see on the show. So there's a lot of like theming even in this like boiler room. Yeah. And then you get in your seats, seatbelt on, and the ride truly begins in earnest. Well, hang on, you're, you're jumping ahead here because not only we, our bellhop has to get us to our seats. Yeah. And they load us back to front, and let's see, how's this go? Left to right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just want to be like, what? Because they. The show's not over. Like, the show has just begun now. Like, even though this is a loading process, it's the show. Because uh, our bellhops are in, yeah, you're going to die, and I don't give a fuck mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is always great when they pull it off. As in, like, when the first they make you pull the yellow strap in your seatbelts, it's all good, it's all good. Then they want you to put your hands in the air so they can definitely know, okay, cool, no one's holding on to their seatbelts. And they use that to be like, okay, hands in the air, now keep them there. And then they go to leave, and as the door is shut, they go, oh, by the way, one more thing. It's really important. And the door is shut. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... They have fun with you. They they have lots of fun. Yeah. Like this, this is the one most people want to work at. Yeah. Or they, uh, they, like, put their hand on the door, and there's, like, a light behind it. So, as soon as it goes up, all you see is this really creepy hand. Creepy hand. And, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, they do a bunch of stuff to mess with you, but... That's when the that's when the ride really begins. So yeah. you, you're going up the uh, elevator. the elevator shaft, and uh, you know Rod Sterling is narrating, and he talks about going into the the Twilight Zone, and you so you get into the first room, which uses really amazing illusions to make the hallway appear way way longer than it yep. actually is. Yep. Um, I mean the hallway, the furniture, just it all just kind of like 
disappears. Disappears. And you see a star field, and it you makes... see the window smash at the end of it. Like, I know how most of that effect works, and even yeah. so, it's so damn cool. Well, because that's the thing. Like, the, the hallway that's in front of you when you go into the first area is only, like, 10 feet long. Mm-hmm. But, like, it looks... Like, it's, like, 70, 70 or 80 something. feet yes, long. exactly. Um, and they just do that through a lot of really clever illusions. There's a lot of mirrors hidden around mm-hmm. that reflect back on the hallway to make it appear a lot longer than it actually is. Um, and they use uh, projections. Um, or not projections. No, uh, they use, they use uh, screens sc- uh, at screens, the end. Yeah, yeah. screens and screens to um, yeah. mute the light that's on them and then turn on the starlights behind them. Yeah. So the stars shine through the screens and scrims and it looks like nothing's there anymore. And it's just really, really it's cool. It's so, so fucking Yeah, cool. it's so cool. <laughs> um, so then the doors close again. Well, the window um, breaks. The window breaks. You know, I mean, every time I say it, I go, I really like that window. And then yeah. smash. Oh, fuck. Yep. <laughs> um, and then you uh, you go up one, more, one more level and that's when the ride starts to get weird uh, because you are entering into the fifth dimension at this point. Yep, the doors open up to the fifth dimension, and then we move forward? Yeah. So your vehicle leaves the elevator shaft inside um, an autonomous vehicle, yes. which at this point, um, no one realized that they were in. No, no, no. Nobody realized. Everybody thought they were in an elevator. Nobody realized they were in an autonomous vehicle inside a cage of an elevator shaft. Yeah. So the vehicle leaves the elevator shaft that you're in and moves forward um, and you see a bunch of like floating symbols and iconography from like the opening of the show it's, yes the opening um, credits come to life in front of you yeah what's really cool is that at one point during the previous scene there is a camera that's there right and now um, it's subtle because you don't know it yeah uh, it used to be a, a very obnoxious flash where you go oh they took our picture yeah um but the reason they do that when it works properly, yes, you know, keynote here is when it works properly. Yeah. Um, you will see there's an eye on your left hand side or right hand side, depending on what depending shaft, on shaft you're, you're in. in yeah. um, and if the camera is working properly, you'll see a picture of everyone in your ride vehicle just kind of slowly slide across the eye. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, don't even realize it. But that if you are that, there, it's right. like a little bit of an extra like, oh, okay, like yep. that's kind of neat. Yep. Um, and then, you know, you that's finish going into and, the, uh, yeah. yeah, you go through all the, the rest of the opening sequence and you go into the elevator shaft. Well, and it's again, as you approach the elevator shaft, you it has a, a dividing light comes right across yes. the front of you. So cool. And then it just breaks apart just in time. Oh, oh, caught the microphone. Look at me go. <laughs> Divide, it breaks apart right in front of you as in like these doors are opening for you. And then we go into the drop tower cage. Yeah. Yeah. You can always tell when you're inside the drop tower because it's instantly like 10 degrees hotter than it is in the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a furnace. It's a furnace. It's, it's, it's humid. <laughs> it's hot. And the second you get in, you're like... Like, oh, this is different. You go, all right, well, it's going to send us to hell or to outdoors, either way. But no, so um, uh, so Rod Sterling has one final bit of dialogue, and yeah. then he's like, you know, you are you are now entering the Twilight Zone, and then the ride just starts. Um, yes, but here's the fun part, because it's randomized. Yeah. What is it going to do? Yeah, you could go up and down. Well, you could go up to start. Yeah. Like, everybody, everybody always assumes you're going up to start. Everybody assumes it, but I don't think anyone realizes there's a one-third chance... You're going down yep. to start. 
Yeah. And when that happens, it's jarring every time <laughs> in a good way. And me. it's always it's always just interesting because everything is randomized. You can have you can have a run where it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like we yeah. got like three or four big drops. Big and, ones. Yeah, yeah. But then you can have ones where it's like, oh, like you go up and down. It's and not then, a jarring experience. Yeah. It's more like, OK, cool. We have seven of these, but they're not killing me. Yeah. You know, Um. My favorite part is that I think this one, this is one of the parts that's programmed into every profile, but I think one of the drops is set up so that you go up really fast, uh, really fast, and then you kind of like slow down just a little bit before the top, so you're like so out, you're of your seat, out of your seat, and then you get pulled down again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is the the physics that they went yeah. with with the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Which yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know, I've never been on. You'll get there. Yeah, eventually. I'll get back there. Um. We'll get there together. But yeah, so it's just, it's really, really cool. There's the sheer amount of effort that goes into this part of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, they take they take your photo at one yes, part. Yes, you do crest to the top once yeah. to stay to uh, look out onto the land. And back in the day, it was, I say back in the day, I'm thinking back, it was like five years ago. Fuck me. Back in the day, you go, oh, is that Rise of the Resistance? Or, I mean, is that going to be Galaxy's Edge? Yep. Or is that where Slinky Dog's going to be? Yep. And, uh, uh, way back in the day when they had Osborne... Um, the Osborne family Christmas yep. lights. You get to the top at night and be like, "Oh, look, there's the Osborne lights." Mm -hmm. And then it, 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 it drop yeah, you. You drop. Well, it drop you while I would take your photo. And now it's a photo video. Yeah. 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 It's a photo video. Um, but it's just it's just really really cool to see the park because all the mm -hmm. elevator doors open up in front of you, mm -hmm. and you get a hard beat. You're like 170 or 180 feet in the air. Like the tower yeah. itself is just shy of 200 feet tall. Yeah. But you come Why is out it just shy of 200 feet tall, Mike. Um, so they don't have to put a big ass blinking red light on the top of it. Oh, that would be distracting. I can see why they did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you uh, you basically see the entire park laid out in front of you, which is really really neat. Mm -hmm. um, and then you you know go down, you finish up the ride. Um, when you're exiting, um, Rod Sterling does another narration for you, and the last room that you're in also has yeah. more Twilight Zone memorabilia, and yeah. then you get dumped out, and that's the end of the ride. Well, Twilight Zone memorabilia, like, what's his name? Caesar? The Ventriloquist yeah, Dummy? Yeah, Caesar the Ventriloquist Dummy. Yeah, There's the, um, <laughs> the, uh, Dev the devil uh, fortune telling machine from that one episode. Yes, yes, there is. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of, oh, the, the gambling, uh, the slots machine from the gambling episode. There's a bunch of stuff down there it's um it's it's cool but the dummy catches my eye every time yeah Fuck but it. then you get out at the bottom and this is where you can see that some of the dna that they originally had planned for this attraction is still there um so back when they were seriously considering the idea of the restaurant you um get, you get out of the you get out of the bottom of the ride you walk around the corner and they've got like a concierge desk in front of you just after the photo pass uh, section yeah well, there's the photo pass section. Yeah. Um, but just past it, they've got like a concierge desk. Mm -hmm. And there's a series of doors past that on the left-hand side. Um, and when they were considering putting the restaurant in there, that was going to be the entrance to the restaurant. They were going to have people queue up at the concierge desk and then take a separate elevator, a themed elevator, kind of like the space elevator for Space 220 that exists nowadays. Yeah. But you would take that up to the top and then you'd dine at the top, the mm -hmm. tip-top club. That yep. was the whole point of it. Um, and then obviously that never happened, but they kept the lobby the same way it was designed because why would they waste that space? Yeah. Um, and now the bulk of it is taken over by a gift shop. Um, Which, to be fair, to be fair, that gift shop, kind of cool. The gates that yeah. you have to pass through to get into. 
and then I don't know everyone that likes to hit the bells, which I can understand. That's yeah, it is a it is a very neat little gift shop. I Jack do... Skellington's invaded it now. Yeah, I don't understand the move. Jack Skellington, and then that weird, weird Disney art style where it's like the princesses, but they've got like really wild, like really round heads. Oh, and the eye with makeup? like creepy eye makeup and shit. They're they're you know they're going through some stuff. I I mean I guess you're not but the I real just, dad. I don't understand why that's everywhere around the parks nowadays. I don't you just understand. don't know what's cool. I I I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Hate to break it to you, bud. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, like that's. That's like the basic gist of the Tower of Terror. It's like a really, really well-inspired attraction. Mm -hmm. um, it has a lot of really cool aspects behind it that, again, frankly, it's kind of a miracle that it turned out as well as it did. For sure. Um, and it's literally one of the best rides that Disney's ever made. All right. I'm going to point out a couple things we didn't. Yeah. So when you leave the gift shop, many people don't know this. You only know it if you were a child who was too small to ride. Or you're uh, a Disney cast member who had a lot of time to kill and you just wanted to like walk around every inch of the parks. Uh, me. So as soon as you leave the gift shop, the second you leave the gift shop, there are display windows on either side of that door, which in my opinion have to be the most ignored display windows in Disney property. Mm. And they're usually not full of like pop merchandise either. They're usually full of like old school looking like stuff. So I'm just going to let you know, those exist. I haven't looked at them in a long time because I'm usually in a hurry there, but like that exists. Also on the exit, as soon as you exit and you look back up at the tower right there uh, at nighttime in one of the windows, you can see a silhouette of a man and that man is Harrison Hightower, the owner of the Hollywood Tower Hotel, who is in the member of uh, C, which yes, sir. stands for the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, that's Secret Society. I think that's what it stands for. Society of Explorers Adventures. Yep. Nailed it. Which is now it. officially canon. Damn straight. And I'm, oh, man. If they ever if they ever have a Disney Plus TV show for C, I, I'm, I might lose it. That's the nerdiest thing I've said on this show so far. Yeah. Um, we'll probably wind up doing a whole episode about C at some point. Um, well, we'll see what we can say. Well. Huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... It's kind of neat because C connects like a bunch of different uh, experiences. Experiences all the and world. attractions that typically wouldn't. Like Big Thunder Mountain has a Barnabas T. Bullion who looks suspiciously like Tony Baxter. Yeah, uh, who's the owner of the mining company and uh, the Jungle Cruise has. Oh, who is it? It's not Doctor oh. Albert Falls. It's like Minnie or Millie. It's Millie something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> Misfortune. <laughs> no, but Could be. it's uh. It's funny because um, Tower of Terror in Japan is really the reason why C exists yes. at all. Yeah, as a as a pure coincidence. Yeah, I'll let you explain that. Well, no, so, um, you know, the Imagineers thought that the Twilight Zone uh, just wouldn't be understood in Japan because the show was not popular in japan yeah it didn't catch on so why, <laughs> so why would you make something based on a property they don't know what it is yeah, yeah. so they decided to create an entirely separate storyline for the tower of terror in japan um and uh keep in mind this is the 90s they tapped a up-and-coming imagineer to do all of the acting work i wouldn't call him up and coming he was a he was ahead of a couple of teams by this point. He just well, had no, no. What happened? He had the what did they they did it because he had a great beard because he was studying for Animal Kingdom. Yes, yes. Um, so this Imagineer, 
uh, was Joe Rohde. Yes. Who... Um, the person who would later go on to make things like Expedition Everest, be the creative director behind Pandora. Um, he's he's he, responsible for Animal Kingdom. Yeah. He's basically the reason why a lot of some of the like the bigger, like more well-known attractions exist in the parks nowadays. Over the last 25 years. Over yeah. the last like, 20, 25 years. Like, I, th- I think he's arguably one of the most important Imagineers that the company has had working for them in the past like two or three decades. Yeah. Um, I, of course he's retired now. He just retired uh, like a year, year, year and a half maybe, ago. Yeah, maybe over yeah. a Um, but like again, he was the person that they tapped to kind of like help do some of the design work for the one over in Japan. Um, he became the face of Harrison Hightower mm-hmm. that they uh then again, had to do all the acting for. Going. Yeah, big yeah. a great big bushy beard. Yeah, Which um, later became his trademark. Yeah. after this. Yeah. Um. And then, you know, he went on to do bigger and better things until 2017 when they tapped him to do the ride makeover for uh, the Tower of Terror over in California That's Adventure. That's right, yes. Which became Mission Breakout. Well, the crazy thing um, is he was the head on that team while also being the head on Avatar, yes. which was also going to open in May 17. Yes. So What were they doing to him? In May 17th, 2017, um, in the morning... Joe Rohde attended the opening of Pandora, mm-hmm. was there for the whole opening celebration, stayed in the park for three and a half hours, got on a private plane that Disney chartered for him, and flew to the West Coast for the evening opening of the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. He tower. opened up two things in one day on two different coasts. Yeah. Who planned this? Um, and, you know, he's literally just like, yeah, I don't ever want to do anything like this ever again, thanks. Yeah, and he didn't. Which I mean, like I don't, I don't, I don't blame, blame him. him. Not at all. Had um, two projects that are going to open up on the same day. Right. Shoot me. So, you know, it's just incredible because like Tower of Terror not only has like a lot of like storied history behind it, but it's also directly tying into the modern day with some of the things that it helped inspire and some of the people that helped work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you've got. You got the big names like Michael Eisner, you got Joe Rohde, but you also have a lot of the Imagineering team that this was really the first ride that they kind of got experience with working with computer, like truly computerized systems. Because they had to design autonomous ride vehicles that would basically follow a track on the ground, but still needed to know when things would be stopped and started. Because again, this is the early 90s, like computerized ride technology is a relatively new area for them yeah. to have started working on. Like computers can design a ride, but computers can't run your ride. Right. Um, so this is really the first ride where they kind of like used things like AutoCAD to like help design their systems, which famously they would use later on to design Expedition Everest. Um, also the reason why Expedition Everest is broken. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so lovely. <laughs> because of mistakes in the software. Um but yeah, this this ride uh, really just brings a lot to the table in terms of what they wanted to do with it and how it ended up, and it's really just kind of incredible that it wound up being as good as it is. Yeah, and I'll say one more fun fact about it. We mentioned it in the last episode. We're talking about the top ten rides and attractions, but why is it the color the way it is? Why why do they choose that color? Very strange. Well, it's because it's so tall. And Hollywood Studios is so close to Epcot that there are parts of Epcot where you can see the top of the tower over the Morocco Pavilion. So it had to be the same color as the Morocco Pavilion. 
And that, that I just love that fact. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it, they just they thought of a lot. They this, genuinely this thought took of a lot. So much thinking. Yeah, because they could have easily fucked that up. <laughs> I would have fucked that up. <laughs> uh, but like that's the thing. Like you, you're talking about an Imagineering team that was literally like, "Hey, we have a building that needs to pseudo match the color palette of a pavilion at Epcot, which is like two miles away." I mean, um, and like it's just it's just neat because they they did it. Yeah, and. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, there's really not a whole lot much more I can say about this. Uh, yeah, I think we've covered everything we wanted to. Uh, yeah. We didn't even mention the Kirk Cameron uh, opening special, uh, which is on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's a thing. It's, it's very... a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Especially now that we know more about Kirk Cameron, which, nice nice guy, um, but he's not Mike Seaver anymore. Uh, so. Yeah, I yeah. mean, honestly, I can't really think of any much more that I could gush about this ride because I mean, it's just well, really damn good. No, I thought of this too. There used to be a show on Disney Channel called Inside Out Walt Disney World mm. where they uh, it was a monthly show. I think it was became a weekly show during the 25th anniversary. Um, but it started in 1994 and one of its first episodes, uh, the host is previewing what's coming next month, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And then it opens up and then I think a year later they have Gilbert Godfrey go through it. <laughs> You know, R.I.P. Gilbert Godfrey. We just lost him, but like, it is it is something to behold. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I have to say. You know what? You know what? I'm just gonna pull it up. I'm gonna pull it up. Where's my iPad? Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. We're watching this. We're watching this again. This is from the show Inside the Out or Inside Out Walt Disney World. This is Gilbert Godfrey at the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. In this place, I'm an important person. What kind of establishment are you running here? I can't believe this. Hey, can you tell me where the pool is? Can you tell me where the gift shop is? Can you tell me where the other guests are? Can you tell me where you are? He is alone right now in the lobby. Yes. Oh, hi, I'm Gilbert Godfrey, <laughs> and I'm wearing a fuzzy pink bathrobe. <laughs> Come on. Let's go solve the mystery. Nice effect. I think I'll change into something a little more uncomfortable. Hi, how is everyone? What are you people, tourists? First time in the big city, huh? Must be exciting. Anyway, this is the Twilight Zone <laughs> Library Is he wearing normal sneakers yes. while wearing a He's suit? He's wearing sneakers with his suit. Anyway, oh a move that I do to this day. How do we solve a mystery? By acquiring knowledge. And where do we get this knowledge? From a manual is one thing, but then you'd have to know how to read, and we don't want to bother you like that, so let's watch television. <laughs> Tonight's story in the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and calls for... Oh, no. <laughs> well, no. no. I think that actually works so, out. There we go, there we go, there we go. Operation waiting for you. We invite you, if you dare, to step aboard, because in tonight's episode, you are the star, and this elevator travels directly to... The Twilight Zone. Wow! A personal invitation from Rod Serling himself. What more can you ask for? Well, maybe a pastrami sandwich, some uh, coleslaw, and a pickle on the side. And a black but and white we'll cookie. have that later on. Anyway, let's go. Can't pastrami. By the way, who picks out you people's wardrobes? <laughs> mm. 
this is obviously not the non-smoking elevator. I don't have a good yes, feeling about this. Yes, this elevator is small as smoke. <laughs> Just follow me. Oh boy. Well, I guess in the no, 90s it would make sense because yeah, smoking yeah. wasn't bad. You're yet. right. You're right. They still had smoking options. It's a fun scene for Mrs. Doubtfire. Now we see all those fifth dimension stuff swirling past. In the Tower of Terror. You can just let me off anyway. You can just... Oh no, Gilbert. That's an intense drop sequence. It's more intense than the actual ride. Yeah, is. more intense than the actual ride. It's still going. It's still going. The next time you check into a deserted hotel on the dark side of Hollywood, Make sure you know just what kind of vacancy you're filling, or you may find yourself a permanent resident of the Twilight Zone. Oh, hey, I'm in a TV. <laughs> I'm stuck in a TV. I've gone into the Twilight Zone. I should have listened to Rod Serling all these years. He was always saying you're passing into another dimension. Who listened to him? He was like, there we go. There we go. That's uh, that's the video of. Gilbert Godfrey at uh, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, part of the show Inside Out. I'd, I'd YouTube it. There's so much Inside Out on TV. There's the original version with Scott Harris, and then there's the rebooted version for the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World with uh, J.D. Roth, uh, George Foreman, and, oh, wow. I'm, okay. and I'm blanking on the female host's name, but she was she was great too. But uh, yeah, no, there we go. That's uh, that was the last little bit I wanted to show. We're not. I'm not pulling up the Kirk Cameron opening special. That's <laughs> that's an, that's not a today thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. With all that being said, I think that we've we've pretty much hit the nail on the head with this one. I, yeah, there's really not a whole bunch more to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, once again, everyone, thank you for uh, joining us. We apologize for the uh, the gap in episodes. As oh it were. man, if you had any idea what happened over here, yeah, some it's personal just personal stuff. Well, not only personal stuff, our studio flooded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not a good time. Not great. <laughs> so yeah. So um, thanks again for listening, everyone, yep. and uh, we will see you next time in the Twilight Zone. See ya.